This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, February 26, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. The president and North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un have signed off on another agreement, this one with more detail. But what's on the table when aspiration meets substantive agreement? Cato's Eric Gomez comments. This is now the second time that this president has met with uh, Kim Jong-un. What what was the result of that first meeting? The first meeting produced um, a document that was pretty broad and aspirational. It talked a lot about, you know, the need to improve relations between the United States and North Korea, um, North Korea agreeing to work towards nuclear disarmament. Um, But it was very broad strokes. And I think that after that agreement was signed, either side could kind of take from it what it wanted. It It was too broad in that sense. And what we saw since then is there was a lot of frustration on the part of the United States about the pace of North Korean denuclearization activities. There was frustration in North Korea over the U.S. not being willing to take reciprocal action um, and do the things that we sort of hinted at that we would do. And so I think that with this upcoming summit in Hanoi, it's the opportunity to put some more details on paper uh, and get to a more detailed and working level understanding of, okay, what are the two sides actually going to do going forward? Okay. So one of the details that seems striking in this second agreement, which again is also uh, broadly aspirational, is that South Korea and the United States were uh, not exactly on the same page uh, going into and following that first agreement. Right. Um, So the South Koreans were able to move their process with the North Koreans forward much more quickly, um, partly as a function of them being next to one another. Uh, so a bit easier to arrange meetings. Uh, but they were able to get some specific agreements out of the North on things like military confidence building measures and reopening some diplomatic sites uh, in North Korea that the South Koreans could use to have regular discussions. The United States viewed these developments at first as being too hasty on the part of the South Koreans. And there was some friction between Seoul and Washington over the pace of inter-Korean cooperation. Um, but I think that Based on what we've seen out of the Hanoi summit so far, and uh, as of this moment, we've seen a sort of um, rough outline of what we expect Kim and Trump to sign, although not the official sort of final version. But in, if that rough outline is correct, I think the biggest development of the inter-Korean or of the Hanoi summit is that the U.S. and South Korea will be on the same page, both in terms of how they conduct diplomacy towards the North via things like liaison offices and regular working level meetings, and they will have a bigger agreement on the order of priorities, wherein both are emphasizing that we also need to, in addition to the nuclear issue more narrowly, we need to have a broader discussion with the North Koreans on things like security assurances, economic cooperation, um, in an effort to kind of change their whole structural calculus that got them to get nuclear weapons in the first place. So going forward, what do we expect here? I mean, at some point, uh, you would expect these broad agreements to become narrow, to create some very specific expectations in both parts. What Do we have any sense of what uh, the State Department or the president wants out of North Korea long term? Um, I think so. I think we're starting to see it. Uh, so first is going to be the peace declaration. Um, and that will be up to, I think, the the two leaders to sign. 
um, and then the State Department to implement. Um, there will also be, I think, movement on denuclearization activities at uh, the facility at Yongbyon, North Korea, which is where they produce all of their plutonium for nuclear weapons. Um, that will probably be up to the uh, liaison office, the new liaison office that the U.S. is establishing with the North Koreans, uh, the sort of lower level officials from both countries who are going to work out the technical details of how that's going to happen in terms of what steps does North Korea take to uh, change the facility, who's going to be inspecting it, who's going to be verifying it, that sort of stuff. So there's still a lot of unknowns going forward. Um, but I think that one of the big outcomes of this Hanoi meeting is this liaison office mechanism, and that is going to be important for actually getting people from uh, the U.S. agencies, the relevant U.S. agencies and the relevant North Korean agencies to sit down with one another and hammer out, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is who we're going to bring, what equipment we're going to bring into the country, that kind of stuff. Stuff that is really not the purview of, say, a secretary of state or the president but stuff that is delegated more to those lower levels. Now, uh, the lesson that I believe presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard made note of recently, and that it seems to be a pretty fair point, is that when the United States convinced Gaddafi to give up his nuclear program a few years later, he had been killed. Yeah, that's true. And I think North Korea is definitely anxious to avoid that fate. Um, Part of what we're seeing, I think, at Hanoi is this sort of subtle recognition shift in the United States that at the end of the day or at the end of this long process, we probably aren't going to actually get North Korea to give up all of its nuclear weapons like we want, but we can have a sort of political rapprochement with them to the point where we're not allies, we're not friends, but to the point where we have more or less normal-ish relations with them. Um, and I think that the model here, instead of Libya, think more of China during the Cold War when they developed nukes. When China got nuclear weapons in the early 60s, the US was also very nervous about it, considered military action against China um, to dismantle their program via airstrikes or what have you. And eventually we stepped away from that option. We stepped away from the military option and Nixon went to China in 72 and, you know, yada, 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 we, we are where we are with the Chinese now. And I think that is broadly going to be similar to how we deal with North Korea. We were worried about their nuclear weapons. N military options were on the table. Ultimately, we decided those were too risky. And now we have to learn how to live with the problem and manage the problem. And we aren't going to get everything we want, but we can get good things that put some limits on their nuclear weapons capability, put some kind of control on it, and also have this sort of political reconciliation with them, ending the Korean War, and getting regular US, North Korea, and also North South Korea talks happening so that way everyone involved can kind of move to a more stable state of existence and we don't get back to where we were in 2017. Is there any sense at all that North Korea believes that it is establishing a credible relationship and thus has been willing to back down from some sticking points that it has had in the past. I think so. And I think that a big, a very important part of this is going to be that end of war declaration. This is a measure that the United States has never really considered doing before in previous examples of diplomacy with North Korea. 
there has always been talk of, you know, statements about, oh, we won't invade you or we won't hold your regime at risk. But there really hasn't been any kind of effort on the part of the United States in a meaningful way to make those assurances credible. And I think that saying having an end of war declaration is it's not the same thing as having a peace treaty that formally ends the the war. But with the US saying that we're going to have a peace declaration um, and then I expect South Korea to follow suit very shortly thereafter and potentially China as well, then you get sort of all the parties moving in the kind of same political direction towards that assurance. And so I think that is going to be a much more credible display to the North Koreans that this time is different. And once you start saying this time is different from a, from the United States perspective, then I think that opens the door on their end to take actions that we haven't seen before. How does the leadership in South Korea feel about the, the hinting that uh, U.S. troops might be leaving that peninsula? Um, I think they're, they're concerned about that. Um, I'm not sure that hinting is all that serious. I don't think that it's a very high likelihood event at this point. Even with the peace declaration, the North Koreans so far have been very quiet about demanding U.S. troop withdrawals. They haven't really, to the best of my knowledge, because you know I don't have access to the talks, they haven't really raised the issue. They haven't made a lot of noise about it. They have talked a lot about wanting to stop joint military exercises between uh, the U.S. and South Korea. But on the troop presence, they seem to not be pressing too hard on that yet. Obviously, if if we move towards peace treaty, peace regime, the possibility of U.S. troops leaving the peninsula could become a reality. But at that point, I think so much of the circumstances and the structural conditions of what's going on in the peninsula will have changed that maybe the withdrawal of U.S. troops is a reasonable position because you have a more normal relationship between the two Koreas and between um, the United States and North Korea. So it, I think at this moment, it's, it's going to be mostly speculation, but you know, it, it, could, it, it could happen. But I think that if it does happen, there's going to be so much different that we can't predict right now that the whole conversation around it will be different. Eric Gomez is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>